And if anyone's listening and they're feeling just frustrated in their marriage, you know, I I know there's a lot of different frustrations about so many different topics. But at the end of the day, if you know how to communicate in a healthy, effective, loving, kind way, you can actually conquer and overcome many obstacles in your marriage. This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. We have a great guest for you. And today we're going to talk about marriage. And this is definitely a topic that is requested at our retreats, workshops. Uh, just it's, it's a big topic. And we're going to try to break it down into a couple episodes. And I know that we will have Megan Caston back, and uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. She is the co-founder of Marriage 365, where she and her team specialize in creating online and on-demand resources for engaged and married couples. Megan and her husband, Casey, live in Orange County, California, and they have two kids. Their son was diagnosed with autism and her husband has ADHD, so they have a huge passion to help marriages who have been impacted by special needs. And you can learn more about Marriage 365 by visiting marriage365.com. We'll make sure we have that in our show notes. But welcome, Megan. Thank you for helping us out and sharing your wisdom and resources once again with We Are Brave Together. I am so excited to be here. I always love working with you, Jessica. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. So if you are out there listening, I definitely recommend pen and paper because you will learn a lot today from Megan. And Marriage Through 65 is endless with their resources. It's, I think, life-altering for marriages. So I really encourage our listeners to, to check it out. But we'll mention that again at the end. Let's just dive into Megan and her story. What made you and your husband, Casey, so passionate about starting this organization and helping families? Yeah, it definitely wasn't something ever on my 50-year plan for my life. Um, My husband and I, when we met in college, so we're college sweethearts, we just felt like if there was love and passion, um, that would be enough to get us through anything. I think most of us go into marriage pretty blindly and very optimistic, which is what we did. And on our wedding night, he slept on the couch, my husband. And it was from that moment, fight after fight after fight. And for three years, we grew so distant from one another that we didn't just not like love each other. We actually hated each other. And I was searching for divorce lawyers. We fought about everything. Everything became an argument. We couldn't just sit down and talk like normal human healthy beings. Um, There was so many, we had in-law issues. We had debt issues. Um, We were really young when we got married. And so we didn't have any friends, um, you know, just to kind of say, this is normal. Couples fight. Um, We didn't have any premarital education. The little that we did get from our pastor was not great. 
And we just had these unrealistic expectations that marriage was going to meet and fulfill all of our needs. And so when we didn't, when those needs weren't filled, we were left with disappointment, resentment, and anger. And so I'll, I'll never forget, I was in our one-bedroom apartment, year three of being married, and I, I looked in the mirror, and I hated myself. I hated who I had become because I used to be this amazing, fun, compassionate, caring, loving person. And I was this bitter, resentful, angry, easily triggered woman who didn't know how to communicate, who, who had zero confidence. And so by that point, this was about three years into our marriage, I had tried to control and change my husband. And guess what, Jessica? It didn't work. Really? <laughs> It doesn't work. Shocking. <laughs> you listening, if you're trying to change your spouse, it doesn't work. I, I truly thought, well, if I nag enough, if I cry enough, if I control, manipulate, uh, give the silent treatment, then he'll notice that he's got all the issues. And I just thought, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And so I called my friend who had a therapist Unfortunately, she doesn't practice anymore, but she was phenomenal. And this therapist, the first session changed my entire perspective of marriage. And she said, listen, I can sit here and we can talk about how bad your husband is. He's not here to defend himself or give his perspective. Um, and I can be that safe person for you and you can invent and cry and, and, and we'll do that. Or I can work with you on what you can change. And let's work on you and what you can heal and what, and I can teach you how to communicate and I can teach you how to forgive. And I was like, oh, that sounds way better. And that's really, that really started a 13 month process of me completely focusing on myself and letting go of my husband of saying, whether my marriage makes it or not, I'm going to change for me. I'm going to get better because I know that I have issues and it's not all his fault. It's both of our faults. We, it's marriage. There's two people. And so uh, 13 months of intense therapy and um, prayer and meditation and exercising and reading books and just really getting my hands on anything I could to learn how to do marriage well. And so then my husband saw the change in me because he would try to push my buttons Normally I'd fight back, I'd cuss him out, I'd shut doors. Now I was, I could see him through the eyes of compassion because I was living in forgiveness. I, I knew he was hurting because we know that hurt people hurt people. And 13 months later, he basically came crying on his knees saying, whatever you've done, I want to do that for myself because now I'm unhappy and this isn't working. And we were able to rebuild our marriage from there. I mean, it was years of rebuilding. Fast forward to about 2012. Um, this was about five, six, seven years into us rebuilding our marriage, rebuilding trust, learning all these things. And we recognized that we were not the only couple that didn't know how to do marriage. Our friends kept coming to us for advice saying, if you were able to turn your marriage around, you've got to be able to help us. And so we started to just look around and go, wow, there are just not a lot of great quality resources. There's not enough marriage help truly for how many people are married. And many of the, many of the resources out there, are, we felt were very watered down because I remember as we were trying to get help for our own marriage, I thought, gosh, if our fights were only about socks, uh, I wish that's what our fights were about, right? Um, it, they're either watered down, they're hyper-religious, or um, they're very do what makes you happy, which can't be 
your go-to phrase for marriage because it's not always about that. Marriage requires a lot of sacrifice, which we'll get into. Um, And so we started Marriage 365 and really we wanted to be an online um, resource for couples around the world that was affordable and very, very practical. And honestly, we started with a Facebook page and then one follower became 10,000 followers, which became 500. And it just kind of started going from that. And we're like, well, let's write a book and let's start a blog. And, and, and it's been something so incredible. And we've recognized through this process, the need, like you said, the need that we need real couples with real struggles helping other couples talk about marriage. And, and we really, at Marriage 365, one of the big things we do is we lead with vulnerability. You know, we don't have it all together. My husband and I do not have a perfect marriage. We never claim we do. We never have. And I mean, we have a healthy marriage now, but we still fight. <laughs> so, because that's real life. And I'm, it is, and real, I, life. It is real life. And so um, I think Hollywood has done a big disservice on, you know, just, this is what marriage is supposed to be. And it's, it's so fantasy. And these people are millionaire, multimillionaires that don't have the same problems that we all have. And so we just try to keep it real. And so, yeah, we reach about 3 million people around the world each week uh, with our resources and, and we love doing what we do. And so we get to do this full time. And we now, thanks to COVID-19, we have 16 people on our staff. We've, we've, just exploded in a good way uh, because of COVID, because it really forced a lot of couples to go, okay, well, now we've got the time to work on our marriage. That is so fantastic. Oh my gosh, 3 million. You are reaching a lot of people with your resources and your candidness and all that you are doing. Oh my goodness. So where do we even begin today? This is a huge topic. I know we talked ahead of time about really just focusing on communication, because that is the foundation of a marriage, is being able to talk about our needs, our wants, our feelings, our hurts, all of it. And so where um, where shall we begin? Well, I, I want to start off by saying if anyone's listening and they're feeling just frustrated in their marriage, you know, I, I know there's a lot of different frustrations about so many different topics. But at the end of the day, if you know how to communicate in a healthy, effective, loving, kind way, you can actually conquer and overcome many obstacles in your marriage. And I know that many people think, well, don't we both have to be great communicators? And yes, that, of course, ideally, you would both be healthy communicators. But it starts with one person. That's been my entire marriage. If you want to make a better marriage, make a better you. You learn how to communicate well, and that can positively influence your spouse to want to learn how to communicate well. So, for example, if you bring up something and you're doing it the healthy way, your spouse is less likely to be triggered or yell or shut down because you're communicating in a healthy way. So there is so much power into understanding and learning communication tools. And of course, there's thousands of great communication tools out there. But one of the things I was talking to you about was kind of this pre-communication skill that we call WAIT, which stands for why am I talking? And it's something that's changed my entire life. And, And what's really neat is even if you're not married, you can use this for with any relationship, truly. Um, this works with mother-in-laws. 
this works with teenagers. Uh, this works. This is something you should teach your children when they're old enough to comprehend it. But really, it's about thinking before you speak. Because Jessica, can you admit that you have at times gone, oh, if I just would have held my tongue, this wouldn't have hurt so bad. Probably 10,000 times. Right? <laughs> 22 yes. years of marriage. Sure. And 20 years of motherhood. Yes. Ask my children. Ask my husband. Yes. We all have those moments, sometimes daily, where we, <laughs> why didn't we just think before we speak? Because we know that our words can, can either hurt or help our marriage. And I think that I want to try to prevent less hurt and I want more help and healthiness. And so um, I have a series of questions that I have gathered since that first therapy session of my third year of marriage, where my therapist kind of sparked this in me, this whole thinking before you speak, because I'm a communicator and I'm, and I'm loud and I'm confident. And so sometimes I just talk, but then I realize, Ooh, that was hurtful. And I should have just kept my mouth shut or I should have thought that through. And so these questions that I'm going to walk you guys through are really things that you can do on your own time before you approach your spouse. And, and if you can memorize them, if you can learn them, um, we have a worksheet that I'm going to tell you later where to go and get it that you can print out if you're a visual learner, like both Jessica and myself are. But I think that this is, this is going to be life-changing for so many people. I'm so excited. I love this. I've heard you talk on this before at our retreat, and this is critical. This is great information. So I'm going to just let you dive right in. Okay. So oftentimes when we go to our spouse, it's in the moment. We are worked up. We were triggered. Maybe they said something. They rolled their eyes. And we snap back with some kind of communication. And that's the, those are the situations that we want to prevent. Or you've been, you know, your, your husband or your wife's been at work all day and it's been building up inside of you. And then they come home and you unleash. Or your spouse approaches you about something that they've been thinking and feeling. And you're like, I don't know what I think about this. So um, the first thing that's really important to understand and to think about yourself and your spouse is, am I wanting to verbally process something? There are verbal processors. I'm actually not a verbal processor, but I'm married to one. And I used to wonder, my husband's name's Casey. He used to come home from work and the first 10 minutes, he would just unload on me all of these random things. And it would feel very overwhelming. And he does this when he's processing like a new idea. It's, it hasn't been thought out. It hasn't been, he hasn't made a pros and cons list. It's just kind of messy. We call it like a, a, a first rough draft. And so I would ask him all these questions, but because he's a verbal processor, he hasn't thought about it yet. And so it's important to know if you are a verbal processor, is that how you communicate to your spouse? Do you know what you are, Jessica? Are you a verbal processor? Or are you more of an internal processor? I think I'm more of an internal processor. Okay. Yeah, I am too. So I think about things. I make pros and cons lists. I really, on my own time, kind of examine what I'm thinking and feeling. And so by the time I would come to you or my spouse, I've already thought about it. I've already really kind of in my head, kind of know what I want or what I'm feeling. As we're verbal, verbal processors, they don't do that. That's their initial reaction in a conversation. So if you are a verbal processor, it is your job to communicate to your spouse 
hey, baby, <laughs> I want you to know that right now I'm just verbally processing. And then they know, then they know that it's a, it's a first rough draft. I like that. So you're yeah. priming, you're letting them know ahead of time what's coming. Exactly. And to be aware that there's nothing wrong with being a verbal processor. It's just who you are, but it's good for your spouse to know what to expect from the conversation. Um, the next question is, have I been holding these feelings inside of me for a long time? So many of us try to keep the peace. We're pleasers. We're avoiders. We don't, you know, we want to pick our battles. And so we're like, well, I don't want to bring it up. But then the buildup happens. And so here it is, you know, three months ago, my spouse said this. And then in the conversation that comes out and it's very unfair. It's a very unfair tactic to hold something in and not express it and then have it unload in a conversation and then your spouse is like, well, why didn't you just tell me three months ago? And I know that we're all, we can all be guilty of that. And so it's very important for you to be aware that if you're approaching your spouse about a topic that you've been holding on to, you need to own it and take responsibility in the very beginning of the conversation to say, I want you to know this is really unfair because I've held this in and I should have spoken up sooner, but I've been holding it in and explain. I've been trying to, you know, get over it or I've been trying to move on. I've been telling myself it's not a big deal, but at this point, it's now to a point where I have to bring it up. I think that's great. I think that's great. The next question is, do I just need a safe place to vent? How many of us and most of us just want to be listened to, right? Absolutely. Yes, we do. We do. We don't want any input or suggestions, right? Yes. We want validation. <laughs> we want to be, we want eye contact. We want to know that we're not alone, right? Like I, I see you, babe. I hear you. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and you don't want to be judged and you just want a safe place to vent because sometimes you really just need to verbally say it out loud. And that was the venting session. And then it's over. I've done this many times with my father-in-law. I have major father-in-law issues. And there's been times where I have just gonna, I just have to tell you all about your dad and how much I don't like him. And here's why. And, and my husband has learned, but I, again, this is where you have to tell your spouse in the beginning of the conversation. I don't want you to say anything. I just want a safe place for, for me to, to talk to you and to vent. And I just want you to be my teammate and that's it. And your spouse should go. Sounds great. I like that. Well, again, you're setting up the conversation for success because you're expressing what you need in that moment from the conversation exactly. rather than if we don't say our needs and then the spouse jumps in with fixing, which I know I can even do that. That's not helpful. And then it just derails. Exactly. And I think that we don't do a great job in marriage of creating enough safe environments for us to vent to each other. I think we often can get into fix it mode. Let's, let's come up with a plan. Um, I mean, I'm a fix, I'm the fixer in my, my marriage. My husband's much more of the empathetic one. Um, so this has been really great for me. He's actually the one that will tell me I need a safe place to vent. Um, the next question kind of goes into that, but it's, do I want to be validated? I think a lot of times at the core of who we are, validation is about not feeling alone in what we're feeling. It's, I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not alone. I know you see me, you see my pain and you're validating. You're making validating statements that are like, wow, I would feel angry too. You have every right, babe, to be you know, disappointed in that person. Um, and so validation is just 
in, in a great way to rebuild trust in a marriage too, if there's been any trust issues, because you're like, wow, they're on my team. They're, they're on my side. And then I think the next question is, is a hard one for many people. I think especially anybody who's parenting a child with special needs, because is what I'm expecting of my spouse realistic? Ooh, that's a good one, Megan. Yeah. It, you know, we, we tell ourselves in our mind, of course, this or my spouse can do this for me. Of course they can. Why wouldn't they? And often what we place on ourselves as realistic, we put it on others. And that doesn't necessarily mean just because it's realistic for you and your life that it's realistic for your spouse. And I will give you a, a perfect example. So I am a type A planner, recovering control freak. <laughs> <laughs> Really fun, nice person. That makes me sound terrible, but I'm just admitting who I, I am. Relate. It's okay. <laughs> and I married a man who was diagnosed with ADHD at age six, who has struggled his whole life to stay organized, who's very forgetful and extremely impulsive all the time and has high, high, high levels of energy. And so I, as we parent our children, this has been probably the question that I've been challenged the most in my own life because here, this is a fight that we just got into, but I think we found a resolve. I used to stay at home with the kids and he worked. Well, now we work together at Marriage 365 and we work full time. I used to work about 20 hours a week. Now I'm working more like 40 hours a week. So we're trying in the midst of COVID-19 as well. And, and who knows when everything's going to open back up and, and how our new norm is going to be for the next few years, you know, who, who watches the kids when and whatnot. So long story short, I expect him to parent like me because when I parent, I'm not just fun mom. I'm okay. Are you guys doing your chores? Okay. Here's your homework. Um, we need to run this errand. Oh, we got to go to Costco to get your glasses. And okay. All these things. Well, I noticed that when he parents, he's just showing up for the fun stuff. They're playing video games, going to the beach, you know, going to the, our neighborhood pool, which is all great. And I love that he's a fun dad, but then I come off out of the office. Right. And I'm like, great. So all the dishes haven't been done. The, the glasses weren't picked up from Costco. And so he finally came to me and we've had this fight for four years of, of what if you make me a checklist? What if you give the kids a checklist, like just trying. And he came to me last Monday and said, I actually think that what you're asking of me is not realistic of who I am. And we try really hard right now just not to have him be on medication. And we, we've done meds and no meds and there's no judgment. Whatever you decide needs to work for your family. But right now we're deciding to try to do no meds. And so he's like, if you really want me to do that, I can get on medication. And then that brought up a whole other thing. So checking your realist, making sure that your expectations are realistic before you go to your spouse and say, I need you to do this, 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 this. You need to ask yourself, does my spouse have the capacity to do this with their time, their energy, just their personality of who they are. Am I being a control freak? Am I being unrealistic? And that was really helpful for me to, for him to say, I'm going to do my best. But when I work 40 hours a week and I'm with the kids, I actually do just want to be fun dad. And I'm like, man, I, I needed to hear that. And I'm not going to lie. It, it pissed me off at first because I'm like, <laughs> I can do it all. Why can't you do it all? But he can't do it all. He's not a multitasker. So yeah. I'm unreal. Mm -hmm. I have been unrealistic with my expectations with my husband. 
how teachable you are to realize, you, you know, where you had unrealistic expectations of Casey and that you could own that and adjust. So yeah, that's a great and, example. And with, with that kind, kind of comes to like, how easily does your spouse change? Because I, I change pretty quickly. I'm someone who's a self-motivated person. There's a lot of people who don't change easily. They take a, they take a while. Very take true. time. And that's why we always want to focus on progress, not perfection. But again, I'm someone who likes perfection. So that's, that's why my, my expectations are very unrealistic at times. The next question that I, I also love because I'm a fixer. So for anyone listening, that's a fixer. You'll love this. Um, do I want to brainstorm and get advice from my spouse? There's nothing wrong with saying, I need your help. I'm stuck. I have the situation at work and I, I need your advice, babe, or this thing with the kids isn't working. We need to talk about this. It's so great when you give your marriage an opportunity to work together as a team, to hear each other's perspectives. And so again, at the beginning of the conversation, if you've identified on your own time, okay, I do, I need my spouse's brainstorming capabilities. You communicate it. Hey, babe, um, I'm going to just approach this conversation and I want to tell you, I need your help. Like I need, I need us to sit down and I need us to t- talk about different options that can fix the situation. And I love that. Cause again, it goes back to team. You become a team with your spouse and your spouse will appreciate you asking them, you know, for help, especially if they're a fixer. <laughs> That's so great. And what, I think this will be a great stopping point for this, for part one, Megan, is that, all of this is being so intentional and that anytime I hear from you, anytime I read, listen to a webcast, watch a video, anything, it's just about really being intentional about your marriage. And, and I wish somebody would have said that to me 23 years ago, because you think you'll always be so proactive mm-hmm. and I needed somebody to say, there's going to come a time when you are exhausted and you don't feel like being intentional about your marriage, but it is critical. It is the key to success rather than just trying to coast along or push things under the rug or not be specific and explicit about what you need and what you want and being a loving, purposeful, healthy communicator. Thank you for all of that. And we will continue on in part two. So thank you, Megan. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening to part one of Marriage and Healthy Communication with Megan Caston of Marriage 365. As you know, I love quotes and I leave you this one from Megan. If you want to make a better marriage, make a better you. Thanks for being here today and we will drop new episodes every Wednesday. If you would like to join the community of We Are Brave Together, just go to our website, wearebravetogether.com and fill out the little pop-up. We welcome you to be a part of the tribe.